The Singing Podcast is glad to announce our nomination for Outstanding Media and Arts and Culture for the Pride of Africa Asia Awards. Special thanks goes to our listeners who made this possible. Therefore, we humbly ask you, the listeners and everyone to vote for us through appreciateafrica.com slash awards. Go! Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Sanyin Podcast to another amazing episode. Today, I'm joined by amazing gentlemen who have done so much work here in China. Mr. J. Olivier Mendo and Mr. Eric Pomponia, all the way from the African Youth Delegation here in China. You're welcome to the podcast, Mr. Eric and Mr. Olivier. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having thank us. You. Thank you so much for having us. Okay, um, so first things first, um, I'd like each of you to introduce yourself, especially for our listeners who may not know you. I'll start with Eric and then Olivier. Okay, uh, so I'm Tungamirai Eric Mpona from Zimbabwe and uh, currently at um, Zhejiang University uh, doing um, my master's in international affairs and global governance. I came to China in 2017, um, and um, <clears throat> basically I can say I've been here for, for six years, and uh, whilst I'm here, I've been into public social warfare and cultural exchanges, so I've created my own platform that uh, I regularly organize some activities um, for us as uh, foreigners who are in a foreign land to go and integrate into the local society, and actually as a platform, uh, for us to mutually learn from one another, like we learn the culture, and they also learn our, our culture uh, from the different countries. So these are some of the things that I've been doing. Okay, uh, Mr. Olivier. Okay, thank you. I'm uh, Joseph Olivier Mendu from Cameroon, and uh, I'm at Peking University, actually a doctorate at the School of International Studies. Uh, for me, I've been here for, um, I would say, it will uh, reach seven years in September. <laughs> so this is the seventh year of my stay um, in China. And um, as Eric, I'm also involved into public welfare, but more importantly, into uh, youth engagement, because I set up a platform that is the China-Africa Youth Federation, and we are um, pushing dialogue and we are pushing mutual understanding, mutual respect and businesses between uh, Africa and uh, China, but at the youth level. And uh, I also serve as the head delegation of the African youth uh, since uh, 2018. Yeah, that's a brief uh, introduction about myself. Okay, nice, nice. It's nice to meet gallant gentlemen representing Africa here in China. Um, so my question goes to you, Mr. Olivier. Um, you said you're the head of the African News Delegation in China. Tell me about the African News Delegation in China and the work you do. Okay, um, thank you for your question. I think uh, I'm the first head of uh, the African Youth Delegation. It was since, I said, 2018. And uh, it came about uh, for the uh, FOCAC, uh, Forum of China and African Cooperation in 2018 where I was actually, uh, I wouldn't say a point, but designed as representing the, the entire African youth. And I've been actually working all over the years to bring the African community together 
so uh, briefly, uh, the African youth delegation uh, regroups, I would say, uh, different countries' association. I want to remind the audience that here in China, there are different uh, students and youth associations from every country in Africa. For example, the Association of, of Cameroonian Students in China, Congolese, etc. So all of those associations coming together, right, forming the uh, African Youth Delegation, right? And I'm the head, but we also have uh, some regional president from Central, uh, North, East, South, and, and West for, the, for those regions. And uh, we uh, became connected to the Federation of uh, China-Africa Friendship Association, which is ba based in Senegal. So this is actually uh, our legitimacy and our status. But uh, what we do is, uh, yeah, uh, very simple. We, uh, we are ambassadors of Africa or our respective countries in China. We are consolidating the African agencies, which means letting the Chinese people, the Chinese young people, the Chinese audiences, scholars, etc., to learn about the real Africa through us, through our endeavors also pushing forward the dialogue. This is one, uh, I would say, one pillar of what we're doing. The second is actually to consolidate unity among ourselves, right? Because at the same time that we're pushing forward the dialogue, we also have to uh, unite ourselves, you know? Uh, when I say ourselves, it's uh, Africans among themselves in line with the African Union and what... Uh, uh, the union is trying to achieve for its agenda 2063 when it comes to the youth. So generally speaking, what is uh, this is the brief uh, introduction about the African youth delegation in China. Yeah, amazing, amazing. Um, so basically it was formed during FOCA that was in Beijing in 2018. Yes, definitely. Um, so from 2018, yes. Okay. Um. One of the, I would say, one of the highlights of the youth delegation was the letter you wrote to President Xi Jinping. Um, could you tell me about it? Uh, well, I would say the work uh, started from 2018 uh, because it seems that I was um, alone, I would say to quote alone, but actually not, we were not connected. So uh, even before that, before I became the, the head delegation, um, I actually used to, and Eric does as well. He will introduce uh, later on. But we have this habit of this habit of uh, going uh, to counties, to Chinese villages, spending time there, uh, learning about the grassroots, the Chinese counties, poverty alleviations, and some of the very interesting uh, practices, you know, that are on the ground that we might overlook. But also uh, teaching them Africa. You know, sharing about the real Africa because we uh, also aim at tackling the, the cliches and the stereotypes, right? Because there are also a lot of stereotypes uh, when it comes to uh, Af the African perceptions here in China. So that's actually what we did. And until we met, I met with Eric and, you know, to ha having more support and everything. So these are some of the uh, steps or, as you said, the achievement that we, we realized. But in 2021... Uh, yeah, it came to, to me to initiate two letters mm. uh, to the Chinese President Xi Jinping. Uh, it was uh, on March and uh, July. And uh, we got the responses uh, in June and in uh, August. Uh, 
the same year, 2021. Mm. So it was just uh, sharing about what I just said, you know, our um, our excursions, our trips to Chinese uh, society, to Chinese villages, and also a lot of things that we learned, you know, throughout the process, but also including some of the suggestions, you know, some of, of the suggestions we think are valuable uh, for the uh, China, for the cooperation between China and Africa and China and the world in general. So yeah, that's, uh, those are the main uh, points. Okay, uh, Mr. Eric, uh, if I'd count to you, you are the Southern African Regional President of African East Delegation. Um, yes. So that means you have a better understanding of this association. So according to you, how do how do you find how do you define the role of this delegation to the youth who are currently in China, either as working or as students? How do they benefit from it? Uh, well, uh, I think uh, it's it's quite um interesting that uh, as being the president of the uh the, the southern region of the African Youth Delegation in China, that it's um. Uh, under that uh, region, we have a lot of um, associations, as uh, Olivier just mentioned right now. Uh, it basically means that we have uh, presidents of associations from various countries in the southern part of uh, Africa. So just like the southern region, other regions also have a similar thing, the eastern region, the northern region, the western region, and the central region. And so... Uh, for, from my perspective, I think uh, the African Youth Delegation in China uh, is a platform that would then integrate all these uh, uh, student-led or youth-led platforms that, that are there, that are already existing uh, in, in China, and so that we can at least uh, exchange information, uh, at least we can also utilize this opportunity to, you know, uh, to share the real African stories here locally. I think these are some of the functions that the platform is um, already serving or will serve in the future. Um, I, 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 I would say that in this platform we already have people who have been doing a lot of work, just like Olivier himself. Uh, he has done a lot in representing uh, the African youth uh, here. So basically, the idea behind the African Youth Delegation was very, very, very simple. Uh, it was not trying to create a single monopoly platform that would say, okay, anything that has to do with the African youth, it has to be done or uh, through the African Youth Delegation. But no, it was a, an issue of saying, okay, instead of us uh, just you know conforming to our own country's associations, for example, I would say maybe, let's say if um, we had the Zimbabwean Students Association in China, then we just, you know, conform to that. Uh, I think that way we lack that um, a spirit of uh, solidarity, that sp spirit of unity. So I think we gather our motivation from the setup that are, that are there back home, we have the African Union, you know, so basically, the uh, the African youth uh, delegation in China is such kind of a spirit to uh, foster the solidarity and, and uh, unity amongst uh, the youths who are here in China, and also especially to act as a platform for exchanging information. 
I think that's those are the main roles that uh, the platform is serving right now. Okay. Um. Now, if I'm going to you, Mr. Eric, um, like I've been following your works over for a year now, and I've seen you're very quite active in the volunteering sector, and you're quite well known about it. So tell me about that aspect of your career and your inspiration behind it. Oh, well, uh, volunteering, I think it's, uh, I can basically say that's part of my life. I, I, I always uh, do believe that I was born to serve. Um, you know, I grew up in the villages uh, in, in Zimbabwe, and what I used to see there, it was this spirit of uh, sharing that uh, people in the villages have. I, I don't know in other African countries, but in Zimbabwe, if you go to the villages, you won't starve. Why? Because the, your neighbor will share something with you. Uh, if it is time for harvesting, they will all... Usually they organize sort of harvesting events, harvesting activities, and people will gather together and harvest together. So this is a kind of a spirit of um, of uh, sharing, a spirit of um, uh, of working together that is there, that is there in the villages. And so when I went to my high school, I then um, found an interesting platform. Because in many Zimbabwean high schools, we have what we call clubs. And these clubs, you choose which one you are interested to take part in. And I joined the uh, Leo Club, which is under the Lions International. And what the Leo Club does it, 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 is that it organizes activities for young people to, uh, inter to, to actually participate in uh, society activities to actually also, uh, you know, uh, groom their leadership skills and all that. So through the Leo Club, we would go to orphanage homes and play with the kids who would do uh, go green activities. And that is how I actually started participating in volunteer activities. And so when I, I came to China, I actually, at, at, at first time, I looked for the Leo Club and I couldn't find one so easily so and fortunate enough i realized that uh, in my university that is my previous university there was a lot of volunteer activities that were set up by the university itself to encourage us to uh, you know integrate into the uh, campus life and also as a a, a way you know for uh, for us to actually uh, learn some things whilst uh, serving uh, the society. So I think it was pretty much interesting. That's how I started uh, participating here. And later on, I think it was in 2019 uh, when I thought, um, because I was no longer just participating in the on-campus volunteer activities, but then I was now participating in some other uh, volunteer activities out of the campus uh, in the society out there. And I thought maybe I needed to encourage more other foreigners to take part in this. And so I then set up a platform, which I introduced at the beginning, Abroad Path Leaders, which basically was a, a, a means to encourage more uh, young people from various countries to engage in volunteering, to also engage in cultural exchanges. Because I think volunteering itself, it has a lot of functions. Uh, you know, it is a, a, a very good way for one to actually 
you know, uh, integrate into a particular society and to actually volunteering itself, it has a very strong meaning. Uh, it, 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 whilst you are volunteering, you get this um, sense of uh, self-satisfaction. I think the, 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 the only time that I think I will be very, very, very happy is when I'm volunteering. I think I'm doing something that is really meaningful here. And uh, given the opportunity that I managed to, to, to do that here in China, and I was like, okay, here when we are volunteering out of your country, it is different from you volunteering in your own country. Why am I saying that volunteering in China, it is um, a platform where you uh, various cultures will engage because in my platform, APL, I have international youths from various parts of the world, from different countries. And we volunteer together. We volunteer also with the, with, with the local people. Our activities range from uh, uh, doing some things like environmental protection, uh, from also even traffic control during um, uh, busy holidays on busy streets. We do almost uh, all sorts of volunteer activities, even leisure volunteering, we have that. We have uh, those um, young international volunteers who are interested in fascinating cultures. They can also go and explore those. So our activities uh, differ and they vary from uh, different aspects. So I, I, I might speak for half a day, but basically uh, I would want to say that volunteering for me did not start in China. I started volunteering whilst I was in Zimbabwe and doing it here in China, it was just a continuation of the spirit that I had, I think from my uh, childhood. Yeah. Okay, okay. Um my next question will be to the both of you. Um this week we celebrate 60 years of Africa Day, the day in which um the organization African Unity was formed, the precursor of the African Union. Um so <clears throat> as we celebrate this milestone, how can we how can the general African continent use what we have learned from the past 60 years to develop the next 60 years? What are those things that we need to work on that the challenges that were faced back then and we improve them to make sure that the next 60 years are successful? I'll start with Oliver, then Eric. Uh, well, uh, I think it's very important to see, um, to first see where we are now first, right? So we uh, we see over the past years we we can see some uh, some sort of uh, improvement uh, improvement in terms of uh, when when we say uh, Africa's I would say its natural resources which is the youth we you can see how the youth over the years are more aware we see we see many youth activists it doesn't matter if it's environment etc for example the COP twenty seven in Egypt we saw them you know pushing the African forwards, emphasizing that we produce 3% of the CO2 globally, right? So we need this uh, climate justice, except so we have a lot of, uh, we have a better youth awareness. We have also entrepreneurs. We have also, uh, you know, many, many, many young entrepreneurs associations that are rising. And this is what Africa need. And when I say entrepreneurs, just to give you 
a very uh, simple picture. We have so many young people that are using their wisdom to contribute to solve uh, African uh, uh, issues. We had some some Kenyans, Cameroonians, Ugandans that are using, for example, a banana tree trunk to make some about degradable bags, etc. This is just uh, an image, so so as uh, to see what is you know how the young uh, people are evolving. And at the continental level, of course, uh, we have we can see how our countries, our governments are trying to handle the security issues now, uh, uh, setting. Uh, you know, a theme for every year when it comes to Africa. Last year, it was the year of nutrition. We saw what happened in the, in the East um, Africa. But this year, it is the year of AFCFTA. This is also a new, uh, I would say, uh, an, an, an improvement from the continent, African continental free trade area. This year, it is a year of boosting that. So I think we also saw how we handled the, the, the pandemic and all of those diseases and how Africa particularly, different from the rest of the, of the world, tabled on the, um, the lessons from the cholera, yellow fever, to handle this, uh, and AIDS, to handle this uh, COVID-19 pandemic, which we see the effects are very different from the rest of the world. Now, moving to uh, the challenge, you know, our big challenge, our biggest challenge, you know, that is still remaining is uh, how can we uh, or the way to add value to ourselves, to African products, Africa branding, right? So this is the biggest uh, actually challenge. How can we add value to, to our supply to, to our supply chain, to our production? How, co how can we advance and enhance the African agency, right? So this is uh, one of our big uh, uh, challenges. Uh, maybe I will leave the floor and Eric will make some, uh, some adjustment, but... Uh, uh, what to do? I think, uh, as I said, the biggest uh, natural resources of Africa is its youth. We have more than 60% under 25 years, right? So if you look at our diagram, we're very young. So the youth need, need to be empowered. This is very, very crucial. The youth and the youth need to be empowered, both in the continent and the, the diaspora. Right, because countries like here, like we're living here in China or studying here in China, we saw how the returnees, you know, went abroad. They they absorbed a lot of a lot of uh, uh, wisdom to come and develop their country. We saw countries like China, and some some are, they are also successful examples. Also, the youth needs to be empowered, and our government needs to better capitalize on our geopolitics settings which means, and I will stick to the youth because this is sort of our branding, which means, uh, let's say, for example, we need more of the vocational training. We need more of the capacity building to, to encourage young people to create wealth, to create wealth, to develop their own countries and to create some very accommodating policies to attract back the diaspora the returnees to bring back those wealth and those wisdom to translate it into uh, African context so as to reach uh, what the AU said, uh, the Africa we want in its uh, agenda uh, 2063. So this is just uh, uh, some brief ideas. Maybe uh, Eric can come in and I will also uh, fill in later. Okay, Eric, your take? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think uh, Olivier has actually touched almost every aspect 
and uh, almost uh, a lot of what I thought I would also share here. But then uh, I think at the beginning, you actually had uh, uh, given us a reminder that um, the 60th edition of the Africa Day, and uh, we are looking to what has happened in the past and what can be done in the future. So this uh, 60th anniversary of the Africa Day basically is the celebration of uh, the AU now and the once uh, organization of African unity by then by 1963. So I think uh, the major changes now, when we take a look at that, I think, uh, yeah, of course we have had uh, uh, a lot of positives in the past. And I think one of the things that we are actually uh, realizing as a, as a continent or actually have been uh, emphasizing is that we cannot run away from working together uh, uh, as a continent. I mean, I'm saying this at a continental perspective uh, because now we are seeing the formation of uh, uh, these uh, platforms like the AF, uh, CFTA, the African uh, Continental Free Trade Area. Of course, we have had the regional economic uh, 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 zones like uh, the SADC, uh, the COMESA, uh, the ECOWAS and all that. But then, um, yeah, uh, something like AF, uh, uh, ACFTA, uh, it's, 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 it's of great uh, and Actually, it, it is showing us that um, we are coming back to that uh, 1963 spirit of uh, uh, building uh, our continent into something that is uh, based on the uh, solidarity and this uh, unit of uh, the African people. And coming back to the conversation, I think the, uh, the issue that Olivia raised about the young people is actually what we should be talking about. Why? Because uh, as you know that in 2015, right, the population of Africa was like about 1.2 billion. If you take a look at the people who are under 25, by that time it was around 721 million, and which is actually estimated by the UN to be 2 billion by 2050. Um, it's it's. Uh, it, it's actually estimated, not, not actually uh, 2 billion. Our population uh, is, entire population is estimated to exceed 2 billion. And this uh, young population by then would, would, would be somewhere. So I think it's, it's actually pretty much interesting in this aspect that we should be looking at the uh, demographic dividend and actually how can the young people play a central role? Olivia talked about... Uh, vocational training, you talked about uh, the policies that are, are centered on trying to uh, provide much space for the young people to aid to the development of the continent or to the realization of uh, achieving the uh, AU Agenda 2063 dream of building the Africa we want. But I think uh, besides putting uh, this uh, responsibility on our governments or on the you and other uh, responsible uh, uh, organizations. I think we should also put the responsibility on our shoulders as the young people. What can we do for our continent? I think this is actually what is actually also more important because it turns out that us as the young people, most of the times we are just out there crying, like 
our governments are not doing this for us. Uh, our governments are. I think we should be the ones who are pushing for the uh, policy changes. I think we can influence that. We should be pushing uh, to bring innovative ideas. Sometimes our governments are not seeing that. We, the young people, have fresh ideas that if we keep on sitting outside of the systems, uh, I don't think uh, there is change that will be happening on the ground. We, the young people, if we continue running out of the continent and not returning, then I don't think that our continent is going to develop. Because right now, I think uh, the African continent is one of those continents that have serious brain drain. They have very, very, very educated young population that stays out of the continent. So there are main, main issues that I think um, uh, has to be dealt with. But as far as today's uh, conversation is uh, concerned, I think we should be asking ourselves as the young people, and what do we want to and how can we actually make uh, uh, serious contributions to our continent? I think that's actually uh, the issue on the ground. Yeah, definitely. And uh, just uh, to add up, and this is a very uh, good and crucial question, especially considering the fact that when you look at the young people today, you know, I gave you some examples that are happening in the continent, but also the, the, the young people diaspora, we have digital farmers like Eric himself, right? The young people are actually uh, bringing in innovative ideas, right? We have, for example, Nezabai, you know, who created uh, our, our brother Pacific, who created uh, this kind of e-commerce platform, which is very, you know, which, is, uh, which will be in many years to come, you know, revolutionary when it comes to uh, uh, dealing with uh, trade and all of the transactions when it comes to uh, China and his country and China, Africa, bringing in China, uh, African products in China. Right, rather than solely attracting a Chinese product in Africa or in his country, so we have a lot of these kind of um, uh, initiatives. But now, uh, I will join. Uh, I will resonate with Eric by saying that it is up to us to think more sustainable, to see how we can through our uh, uh, revolutionary ideas, to uh, through our innovations, how we can make all of these sustainable. And by sustainable, I don't only refer to the SDGs uh, like the UN, but for me, sustainability is when you are able to transfer your wisdom or bring all of that package back home, which means if you have, for example, a Chinese partner or foreign partner, the ability to attract him to also invest in your country or in Africa, this is what I call uh, sustainability. You In that way, you make the, your people in the continent benefit from your stay abroad or what you've learned abroad. So we have to learn how to uh, communicate and to unite. Eric mentioned that among ourselves, unity, especially in this country where we we see how we 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 can uh, experience or see the fruits of this unity, right? So we really have to ask ourselves as the young people. You know, what can we actually effectively do after this? You know, it, it is already 60 years, but how can we better uh, 
uh, uh, manage the, 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 the challenge to come. How can we develop our country, you know, instead of just, uh, you know, staying there or believing that staying out of the system will actually help. So, yeah, I totally agree with Eric. Okay, okay. That was a nice analogy. Um, my next question is is um is something that's usually in the newsreel, the Africa China relationship. Um to some it's beneficial. It gives us an alternative to traditional Western funding with all its restrictions and laws that are attached to it. To others, it's putting Africa in a debt trap. What what the Western guys call the Chinese debt trap. Um you who are youth leaders here in china what would be your take on the africa china relations and how can it be a win-win even for the grassroots on the continent i'll start with oliver and then eric okay so uh i think uh you know when it comes to geopolitics or when it comes to uh you know this kind of uh relationships there are also different kind of narratives right some are good some are bad some are extremists some are very relatives but here our point of uh, our bottom line is the African agency, right? So when it comes to uh, Africa-China relations, you know, there are a lot of goods, there are a lot of bads too. But I think it is uh, the cooperation with China for Africa. It is also a good option. As I said, it's very, um, as it is usually said, it is also very good to have uh, different options on your plate, right? And China... Is also good at doing certain things. We have infrastructure. We have, you know, uh, China is already many African countries, you know, uh, biggest uh, trading partner, etc. Right? China is also bringing some 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 sort of uh, 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 good inputs into the Africa's development. So, to some extent, the our cooperation. When I say our Africa's cooperation with China is very beneficial. But now, how? to make it a win-win, how to make it sustainable, how to uh, um, canalize the, this, uh, our engagement with China so as to make it more beneficial for Africa and African people. I believe that uh, apart from all of the, the, the positive point that I mentioned, we still have a long way to go in terms of really implementing a lot of uh, policies that is that are happening or that are taken uh, uh, between uh, Africa and China's platform. I mentioned earlier, the Forum of China and African Cooperation, the Belt and Road Initiative, and we even have the BRICS with South Africa representing Africa in the whole thing. So we have a lot of different kind of uh, settings or geopolitical engagement with China. But now, to how can it better benefit to the people? So moving from the government to government level to actually reach the people, right? There are a lot of improvement that are going along the line. But uh, I think uh, to, uh, to come back to your question, to reach a win-win, number one, we have to, Africa has to uh, add value to itself. Which means, what am I bringing on the table? What do I want? For example, the Chinese government is giving uh, 32 uh, scholarship or is giving a variety of scholarships uh, to African students. 
that are coming here. But what do we need? Let's say, for example, in Cameroon, we need uh, infrastructure. We need, for example, some of uh, social infrastructure. We need um, uh, doctors and etc. So those scholarships should be directed to what we need. It means we need to better capitalize on our uh, geopolitics or our relationship with China, right? So adding value to ourselves, adding value to the African agency, this is one way to get it better. And number two, it brings us to the youth again. You know, uh, one of the biggest issues when it comes to Africa-China relations is actually the people-to-people -people relationship. There's still a long way to go in terms of people-to-people -people relationship and in terms of by ricochet the media or the narratives that is going on on the media, right? So the people-to-people -people relationship, which means more of the Chinese, there is some sort of imbalance. If you look at the numbers, I think Eric will correct me if I'm wrong, but before the pandemic, we had more than 80,000 Africans, students, young Africans here coming in China, which made China the second most, des the second best destination uh, or most favorite destination for African students in the world after France, suppressing UK and the US, right? So we had so many Africans, but the other were around. We have less, we don't have the, you know, the, the perfect balance. We don't, we, have, we don't have that much Chinese young people that are going to Africa, right? And this is some sort of imbalance. So we need to capitalize on the people to people. That's why you see Eric and I are going to Chinese villages to let them understand the real Africa while learning, you know, about the Chinese uh, uh, policies and the Chinese uh, grassroots level. Because we found, we, we found out that there is a lot, a long way to, to go in terms of people to people. So we need to level up or we need to um, uh, stabilize this kind of relationship. We need more Chinese going to Africa too, as Africans are coming here to China because the young people, we said it earlier, are the force of both uh, parties, you know, the African nations and China as a country. So capitalizing on the on the youth to foster mutual understanding. Mutual understanding is very crucial. Mutual understanding, mutual respect, and uh, cultural exchanges. Africans should, should actually learn better about Chinese opportunities, about what kind of society China is to better understand the opportunities and the potential that China and the, the assets that China can bring to the continent and how to better make use of it. As well as we should encourage by, 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 by um, adding value to ourselves or pushing forward the African agency, the Chinese to learn more about Africans, right? To learn more about Africans by attracting the Chinese into the African continent as well. Right? Which means as, as much as the Chinese products are going to Africa, African products might also come in to the Chinese society or to, to the Chinese market. And this way, you see how the, the narratives on the media and all of these uh, keywords will be sort of, uh, uh, you know, <laughs> dimmed. Because I believe that in terms of narratives, in terms of the media, in terms of what is, what is said out there, it is to the responsibility of both parties to write their story. It is to the responsibility of young people from Africa and from China to write their own story, to write the story of their partnership, 
So this is actually how I envision or I see or I propose uh, or I see that uh, the Africa-China relationship can reach a win-win situation in the long term. Okay, Eric, your take on it? Yeah, you know, uh, whenever you, you give Olivier the mic, uh, <laughs> you will not stop talking. <laughs> and, and, and the end result is actually making my work difficult here because he will uh, share all the content. So next time, you should let me speak first and then he okay. should, <laughs> should not speak. Because you will... You will finish all the content anyway um i i totally agree with olivier uh, on many of the aspects that he shared but then coming back to your question uh of course i think the issue here is that um we should not get carried away by those different uh theoretical perspectives that are shared there i mean in scholarship and on the media is is there i think in every cooperation or in every engagement, be it um, China, uh, be it Africa, China, be it Africa, US, be it Africa, Europe, uh, or whatever kind of engagement, it has its um, positives. It has also its uh, kind of uh, challenges that it will be facing. But then the focus should be on the positives, uh, like how can we positively uh, uh, benefit from this engagement. I mean, both sides, a, a, a sort of a win-win setup that you were talking about. So from the Chinese, uh, uh, from the Africa-China perspective, I think uh, there are many, many, many kind of uh, positive takeaways that we, we can get from that, uh, especially since uh, uh, the 2001, the formation of the FOCAC and, and, and all of those uh, uh, setups that have encouraged a further deepening of the exchanges between uh, the African continent and China at large. So I, I would want to come back to the issue of the, uh, I think Olivier pointed at it in passing. He was talking about the people to people level, right? And what we do, basically, myself, somebody like Olivier, and the other guys who are here, all of our activities, since we are not uh, government officials or diplomats or anything, what we are doing is what we call people-to-people -people exchanges. This is what is very important in today's Africa-China uh, uh, relations, because we all know that at a, a government level, there is very, very close uh, cooperation between uh, African countries and uh, China at large. But I think at people-to-people -people level, do we know them? Do they know us? Do we really know each other? I think that's where the problem is. So this is why you see myself and somebody like Olivier, we go to the grassroots, we go to their villages and interact with the people there to make sure that they know us, they understand us. And at the same time, we understand them even much better. So we, when we come out and we are talking about the China we know, we actually are saying that from the experiences that we had. I found something very interesting. 
that uh, uh, the Chinese, they research more about Africa. But do we really research China? Do we really know China? I don't think uh, we really know China. So I think uh, when we take a look at uh, Africa-China uh, cooperation, for it to be really a cooperation of uh, uh, of uh, equals or to achieve the win-win uh, issue, um, <clears throat> I think it it is uh, us that we should be really knowing how we can leverage on it, and how can we know China better, and how we can really foster this. I think uh, Olivia mentioned put it very 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 nicely that um, if we start building the narrative very well and actually ensuring that on the continent, uh, we don't just get uh, made in China, but we also export the made in Africa. Um, there are many, many, many things that we can talk of, but I think uh, I would want to also bring one, one uh, critical point here that is uh, the importance of actually uh, promoting the African culture and actually making sure that we also spread it in 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 countries like China, because what the one one most important thing about culture is that it uh, opens or it closes all the doors. If somebody really understands your culture, I mean, economic exchanges and many other things, it will be actually very easy to push. Especially we are looking at these things from a people to people uh, level perspective. I was giving an example to one of my friends. I brought in, I just brought a bottle of water and then I said, this bottle of water, it doesn't have any label right now. And then I will put a label that is written made in USA. And then I put another label that is written made in Zimbabwe. It's same. And I just put it out there and I will, I will ask, which one would you prefer? Said of obviously, I'll, I'll take the US one. I said, you see, I don't think this is only the issue of saying because maybe uh, the US is developed, Zimbabwe is not so developed or any other things. I think it also has to do with the culture. They understand, they already know better the, 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 the US culture, but do they really know the Zimbabwean culture? I don't think so. So I think us as the young people, we should embrace our culture and start being ambassadors of our own uh, continent culture here in China. So I might speak more and more and more and more, but uh, there are two points that I was just mentioning here that first, we should put more resources on learning China. We should put more resources on, on learning China. Because literally they are learning, they are learning Africa day by day. Even in scholarship, I think Olivia will agree with me on this. If you want to read something about Africa-China cooperation right now, you are definitely going to read books that are written by the Chinese scholars. Are we doing the same from our side? At people to people level, yeah, they are always there 
on the African continent in many regions. They are there. They are learning. For us, we are when we come out here, we will just be stuck in our own uh, universities uh, on the campus. We don't go out there to learn. We don't interact with them. So they know us less. And at the end, the Africa that they will talk about is what they see on the media. So I think there is an issue of us being pushed now to see how well can we uh, uh, actually push or promote these exchanges through learning. It is when we know each other best that we can promote the engagement and actually make it a, a partnership of equals. Yeah, thank you so much. Okay, okay. That was a nice analysis. Um, my last question would be, um, usually we have a tradition that our guests talk about their countries of origin. So I want each of you to give me an insight of your countries of origin, Zimbabwe and Cameroon. I'll start with Eric. Yeah. because he will say that i will speak all the content <laughs> even though now it's impossible <laughs> this, this one was okay this one was okay <laughs> okay um yeah basically zimbabwe uh, when you talk about zimbabwe right now i think in many countries People will say, definitely I know Zimbabwe, and the next thing will be very, 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 very happy. And then you ask, how do you know Zimbabwe? And then they'll start telling you, oh, because of, uh, I think you guys once had uh, trillions printed uh, on money. <laughs> <laughs> Most of the times I, I, I face this, you know, the first time you ask, ah, you know Zimbabwe, how? Because you'll be very happy. And fascinated about it, and then the response will turn you off. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, at the end of the day, you'll be like, oh, so besides this, does that mean that Zimbabwe doesn't have anything good to talk about? No. Zimbabwe has a lot of very interesting things that the world deserves to know. Zimbabwe was the second I mean, our when we take a look at our uh, natural, uh, ecological ecosystem, it is very rich. We have a very rich uh, uh, and, and natural environment. Uh, we have more than 20 national parks that I have, uh, you know, you can go there, safari parks, you can enjoy the beauty of nature in Zimbabwe. We have the second, the world's second largest waterfall, the Victoria Falls, which is in between Zimbabwe and Zambia. But of course, the, if you wanted to look at the beautiful side of it, of it you should come to the Zimbabwean side. Um, <clears throat> we have a lot of very interesting things. I mean, in terms of our economy, I think we are currently still depending on agriculture, on mining and on tourism as well tourism simply because we have a very rich nat natural biodiversity um agriculture is still improving now we are uh, moving on with agricultural mechanization and modernization because as you know that zimbabwe once had a, a nickname they used to call it the bread basket of africa 
So now we are on the pursuit to claim back the the bread basket title, which I don't know when will that be realized because uh, I think Zimbabwe is faced with several challenges. Uh, just like many other developing countries, I think we have a lot of um, challenges, limited fiscal space. We have serious issues of uh, brain drain. So there are many issues to counter, but then there are also a lot to celebrate on the ground. Um, Zimbabwe is politically stable. We don't have uh, those uh, civil conflicts and all that. So it is actually, if I would suggest to somebody who likes to uh, travel, tourism, hey, Zimbabwe is the best destina destination for you. you. You should pay a visit one day. We have a very nice climate. Uh, we have a lot of things that are quite fascinating, the Zimbabwean culture. The Zimbabwean people themselves, they are very warm and nice to interact with. If you go there, you find yourself, you know, enjoying it because you just feel like you are not in a foreign foreign land. Like they will just treat you like their own brothers and sisters. So um, it is actually pretty much interesting. If you have further questions about Zimbabwe, I think you can talk about it. Or we can set a different a podcast to just discuss about Zimbabwean issues. Well, because it is a nation that has very, very, very interesting experience. Oh, okay, I guess it's my turn. And Zimbabwe yeah, yeah, yeah. is uh, in, the, in the southern part of, of Africa, actually. Because maybe, maybe some people in the audience uh, might not know where uh, Zimbabwe is uh, uh, on the map, right? Maybe you can also touch on that, Eric. The geographical yeah, south, south, yeah, southeastern part. I think maybe let me just uh, touch on it. Thank you, Olivia, for the reminder. Zimbabwe is in the southeastern part of uh, uh, of Africa, uh, and uh, it is in the Sadic region, which we call the Southern African Development uh, Committee. So uh, that's the Sadic region. Uh, is it committee or commission? It should be commissioned, right? Um, yeah, it's in the Celtic region. And in terms of the location, southeastern, we have South Africa to the south. We have Mozambique to the east. Uh, we also have the Zambia on the northwestern. Uh, and we have Namibia and Botswana. So the position also, uh, it is actually very interesting in the southern part of Africa. Uh, some call it it's a, it's a, a choke point for the southern african part because of its location i uh, i mean i might also <laughs> spend a lot of time trying to talk about this i think yeah. it's time for olivia to share about cameroon yeah community <laughs> yeah southern african uh development it's community so uh for cameroon yeah we you know a lot of um some or most of African countries uh, share a lot in common, right? Not only culture, but they have some similarities. But when it comes to Cameroon, um, uh, particularly in China, let's say in the world, when you, when they say Cameroon, they just uh, see Africa in miniature because this is what we are known for. Africa in miniature with the lion as our, you know, uh, this kind of, you know, uh, the lion is uh, what we see our animal, what they call totem in Africa. But then here in China, it's another story. Whenever you say I'm from Cameroon, they'll say, oh, 
soccer you're good at football you're good at playing football or soccer depending on 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 uh what you and then we have Roger Mila Eto and football is very very famous in Cameroon so just uh, coming to the geographical location Cameroon is located in Africa but in the central west Africa because we both we we share borders with uh, countries like Nigeria Chad Central African Republic, Congo, Gabon, etc. So we are also boarding the uh, Atlantic Ocean. So uh, uh, Cameroon is also um, made made a, made great improvements, you know, in its economy over the years because we are the greatest economy in Central Africa, and uh, we have more than two hundred uh, ethnic groups, which means tribes. Uh, in China, there are fifty six, but in Cameroon. We have two hundred ethnic groups, and which um, makes Cameroonian very special in the sense that, from a very young age, we can speak at least a three to four languages. You know, the language from your mom's side and from your dad's side. Uh, when we add to when we add English and French, which are uh, official languages, and also um, our population, Cameroon is not very populated because uh, by twenty twenty one, if I if I recall. We were 27.2 million people, right? I would say it's not even compared as a region, uh, a province here in China, right? So, yeah, but Cameroon is very special. I said it's African miniature because we have uh, the characteristics. We have some of the characteristics of most countries in Africa. We had, we had desert, we had uh, volcanoes, we had waterfalls, etc. But also, uh, Cameroon is also very uh, special in the sense that we also have uh, Muslim, you know, we have, uh, you know, it's very diverse, Cameroon. But then uh, you might go to Cameroon if you want also to do some uh, safari, if you want also to, to see some cultural diversity, right? Very good sightseeing. We have some volcanoes, not in eruption. But uh, also, Cameroon is also very special because it's the door of some of the Central African countries. Because if you look at the map, some of the Central African countries, like for example, Chad, uh, Central African Republic, etc., they don't, they are not open to the ocean, so they depend on uh, Cameroonian ports, right, to uh, to to actually get their 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 thing. So we are kind of like a passage gates, right? So you might go to Cameroon also to to taste our local uh, cuisine, you know, because we're also very special, like plantains, cassavas, very yummy fruits. I think it might be the same for uh, Zimbabwe as well. So uh, very interesting. And Cameroon is also very open. We have a lot of Chinese, a lot of Japanese, a lot of Asians, Americans, and, but more importantly, but more Europeans actually is the highest uh, community in Cameroon. But we are all we are welcome, and we are also very, uh, you know, uh, we are joyful. We welcome our guests, and we are very tolerant as well. So yeah, welcome everyone to Cameroon. Oh, Cameroon okay, has okay. Uh, Cameroon has uh, you said seven 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 million. Uh, no, I, uh, people. You mean the population? Yeah, yeah. Pop, pop, no, population. I said in twenty twenty one we were twenty seven point two million. 27. Oh, yeah, twenty-seven point two million. That was in twenty twenty-one, but we might we might be exceeding thirty million by by now. So that's, that's, 
that's yeah. even a lot if we are comparing to to Zimbabwe. Um, oh. Because Zimbabwe has, uh, as of 2022, um, it, it was uh, 16, 16 million, nearly 16 oh, million. Oh, 16 million. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe uh, thrice the, 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 the amount of people of uh, Zimbabwe by now. Anyway. Yeah, yeah. but then but then our, our the, the land uh, area, mm -hmm. it's, uh, it's, it's quite huge. Yeah. yeah. Compared to the, to the population. Yeah. Definitely, yeah. definitely. Yeah, but uh, anyway, um, as as Zimbabwe, he said, uh, they are part of the um, uh, SADC community, which is the Southern Africa Development Community. Eric mentioned yeah. when he was ex explaining that Africa has also some uh, regional settings, right? Except from the African continental free trade area, Cameroon is part of the uh, ECAS. You know, economic. Uh, it is like economic um community of central african state so we are part of the ECAS and CIMAC as well because uh cameroon and most of central african countries have this in special that they are using the same currency uh the cfa franc cfa yes so we use the same currency in the region um yeah so that's actually uh, which let's say one euro which is tied to the euro one euro is equal to 655 by now which has been a fixed rate ever since you know uh the the currency was set so yeah this is about uh cameroon and once 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 more welcome to the beautiful land of cameroon and zimbabwe as well i'm also looking forward to visit you eric in uh, zimbabwe yeah i'm also looking forward to visit cameroon but i think you should come to zimbabwe first Okay, no problem. <laughs> no problem. This is we the agency from... right there. <laughs> we, start, we start from the southern part of Africa going up there. Branding Zimbabwe. <laughs> Zimbabwe. Okay. Uh, Zimbabwe. Thank you both, Mr. Eric and Mr. Olivier, for passing by. Thank you for your views. We really appreciate it. has been a nice conversation. And uh, we're looking forward to having more engagement with you and uh, your delegation and your works going forward. Yeah, thank you very much for having us. And uh, really, really, uh, we wish you success in your platform. And also, we'll be uh, supporting, we'll be continuously supporting also the platform. And we encourage also people to uh, come to this platform and share their ideas as well to let hey, more hey. Africans aware of some of the key issues. This is also, as Eric said, this platform could also be a window to learn also about China and its uh, particularities. So, yeah, thank you very much for the invite.